There's no funny quip this time. So over the uh, course of this podcast, we made some allusions to the fact that I'm pursuing an education. I'm not a... Not as conventional as like somebody like Spencer here who just did the right thing right out the gate. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm an, well, I, I'd say I'm an older fella going back and taking classes just because I'm surrounded by a bunch of like children. Yeah, and so I feel kind of weird about it, but that's that's my own hang up when I'm really not like that different from them. I've just just a couple years older. I've obstructed that. I put that barrier up myself. Yeah. So as not to be... Uh, Your anti-normy barrier, to, I understand. To not be the weird, like, old guy, like, trying to be, like, too friendly with yeah, a bunch of people. With a bunch of 19-year-old college students. Because I've got too much self-awareness sometimes. And that's that's something that uh, we kind of wanted to talk about today, is uh, this idea of uh, self-awareness. And, and not so much just that, but, like, psychology stuff, Spencer. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I'm going for. And I've I've taken a couple of classes. I'm still pretty low level. Like technically, I would be considered a freshman. I had a couple of courses under my belt, and then I took a couple over the last couple of years when I was working at the college, and I got like free credits. But now I'm full time, and I've I've taken a few psych classes. I think a total of three now. Yeah. Um, I should perfectly, know that. Perfectly good enough to uh, express your psych-, psych opinions to magic players. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm an, I'm pretty much an expert at this yeah. point. Yeah. Um, and so one thing that I learned about last semester in my cultural psychology class was the idea of what's called a locus of control, and that's to mean it's it's refers to uh. An individual's perception about the underlying causes of why things happen in their life. And it's kind of like, do you believe destiny is, your destiny is controlled by yourself or by external forces like fate or God or, you know, know, other people, whatever. Yeah, it's a, do you believe, like, I have control about everything? Can I control my own, my own fate and everything? Or is it the result of external forces acting upon me? Another way to describe that would be, does life happen to me, or do I happen to life? Maybe. I like that, yeah. So it's uh, it's broken up into what is either an internal locus of control, which is the I have control, or the external, which is other things have control over me and my actions and what, what things happen to me. Mm-hmm. And so what does a what does a locus mean? Because that's a, that's a word that I don't think a lot of people use. Like you might, magic players would be like, oh, it's like Omnath. It's like, <laughs> well, okay, yeah, kind of. Because uh, so I, I looked this up. The very basic definition is it's, it's just a particular position, point, or place in something. When I hear locus, I think of like, uh, I think of like, like Eastern, um, like meditation and stuff like that. Because I think you, this. They, they use that word sometimes. Oh, yeah, because a, a locus is, it's just mainly, like, the locus of control thing, it mostly means where is it that you place your sense of control, like, within yourself? Mm-hmm. Is it, yeah, within you, or is it external? Is it something what, What's that, the place that you put it? Yeah. Where is the control? Yeah. And, uh... If you had to visualize something, some place the control originates, where, where would that be? Yeah. So, um, an example, so I want to talk about, like, things about people with an internal or an external locus of control so uh, we have found this really uh, helpful little like two-page like pdf article thing that was a really nice write-up about it maybe we'll link it in the mm-hmm. show notes or something but it said for describing inter- people with an internal locus of control that they can be they can be psychologically unhealthy and unstable <laughs> an internal <laughs> orientation usually needs to be matched by competence self-efficacy an opportunity so that that person is able to successfully experience the sense of personal control and responsibility. Overly internal people who lack competence, efficacy, and opportunity can become neurotic, anxious, and depressed. (laughs) In other words, internals need to have a realistic sense of their circle of influence in order to experience success. (laughs) And for external people, it simply says they can lead easygoing, relaxed, happy lives. (laughs) Um, that's pretty, that's pretty based. Um, so it's, uh, to paraphrase, I suppose, what I get out of that, Eli, when I hear it, and you can tell me if I'm, if I'm hearing that correctly, is that if you have this internal sense of control, thinking that, like, 
you are, you know, you are, you are pretty much like in control of your life. You have to be measured and, and realistic in how you approach things. Otherwise you could just slip into a cycle of thinking that you're not good enough or inadequacy or stuff. Well, like yeah, that. really, if you, if you have that belief about your locus of control being internal, if that's how you see things and you also think like, like I kind of struggle with this sometimes if you're like, wow, I'm just the, I'm just the dumbest person alive. Like sure. we talked about in the last podcast, so I took that, that test that, uh, yeah. that proved that I'm <laughs> brain stupid. If, if you think that if, if you are a person with an internal locus of control, then every flaw with yourself should then be your, it's your fault, fault. Yeah. right? And and you have to have some level of emotional maturity or like like it says in here, self-efficacy and opportunity, you know, be realistic. Yeah, so I'm at a really weird place with my locus of control because I'll usually if something goes wrong or I do something bad, I'll I'll try and take responsibility for it like when appropriate. Mm-hmm. But if something goes really like really good, like I've had a couple of financial windfalls over the last couple of years of like um like going back to college like they'll sometimes kick you back some money or something yep. like if you got too much and i'll be like wow that was really like awesome like that was complete luck like or like winning certain commander games or something i'll be like well i just got really lucky that game mm-hmm. and so sometimes i'll attribute success to external forces but failures to internal forces yep and that is uh <laughs> it's not fun and that is to say um uh that's a good point because I think we we can definitely experience both internal and external locus of controls in different aspects of our life. So, for example, like you were saying earlier, Eli, someone might might have a you know an internal locus of control, meaning that they are you know they are in control of their actions, they're in control of what happens to them, but they might also blame outside forces in so far as playing commander, right, or something else in their life. So you might. You have different perspectives and different yeah. aspects of life. I think it's very fluid. Like, I don't think anybody, or most people probably aren't 100%, like, internal yeah, or like external. like a spectrum. Yeah, and it's kind of a, how people form that belief is oftentimes a result of their culture. Mm-hmm. And so, like I was saying, I took this cultural psychology class, and one of the underlying principles of that class was explaining the difference between individualistic cultures and collectivist cultures. So a collectivist culture would be a culture that prioritizes solidarity and like group work mm-hmm. over individual goals, while an individualistic culture focuses on human independence and your sense of freedom and individuality. Collectivists, you, you know, a collectivist might do something for the good of society, whereas an individualist do something for right. the good it's of themselves. The, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few kind of thing. And yeah. then, individualistic culture is kind of just uh it's like the united states you know yeah it's like we we you know home of the land of the free home of the brave and yeah, we need our freedom yeah giga chat kind of the up yours got mine <laughs> and that's not a bad thing i think there's actually a lot of uh a lot pros of and cons to both of them and they can uh definitely complement each other in some nice and there's stuff to be learned from each culture yeah like the uh the, the class really mostly outlined it in a sense of most western cultures are fairly individualistic and then more eastern cultures like specifically the one that got referenced a lot was japan Mm -hmm. as being a very collectivistic culture yeah and that's not to say that it's 100 percent like black and white that way yeah but just as 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 a general um observation i i suppose excuse me yeah um and you know i think what what you were trying to get at eli um with this with this kind of individualistic culture versus collectivist culture is that so the how this ties to the locus of control is typically people within an individualistic culture they have an internal locus of control they think that things are caused by their own actions and they have responsibility over the things that happen in their lives they like to take they like to take uh agency yeah and like um when when good things happen, you'll you'll say like that that was me. You'll take like, comfort in that because it was it was you know you, you it was earned. Yeah, you you uh yeah you you feel like you have right control yeah. of everything that happens. Sure. Um, whereas in a collectivistic culture, you're more likely to think things are external forces. You have the external locus of control. Things are given to you or taken away from you by other outside forces. Yeah, and and sometimes that uh that definitely helps. I think to. Uh, to get by in life it's uh people like don't like to internalize things and uh yeah it can be kind of a coping mechanism maybe 
Yeah, and especially if you are in a very supportive environment where you have a lot of things done for you by other people. And that's not necessarily always the case where if you're the person doing things for other people, you kind of see it as more of like a a group effort than an individual, like internal thing. And this isn't to say that either of them is inherently better than the other, of course. Like, it's just different. Yeah. Um, And there's things you you can realize about each thing. But like you were saying, like, yeah, like, like... It can be very comforting to know that, like, a community is caring for you or something, right? Yeah, so the the main idea of this episode is we have this idea and this thought from our personal experience, and this is definitely not 100% the case because everybody's different, but I feel like Magic players, especially Commander players, tend to have more of an external locus of control. A, a, a collectivist culture, if you will. Yeah, and and that's weird because you would think, well, we're in the United States here. This is a Western, very individualistic culture. So why is it that we feel, and like I said, this might not be the case. If you want to like leave a comment and like staunchly disagree with this, that's fine. But I feel like the magic community is kind of a collectivistic culture. It's mm-hmm. kind of about, people always say the, <laughs> it gets a little bit old, but it's, they don't stop saying it. It's the, uh, it's not about the magic. It's about the gathering. <laughs> You know, a lot of people uh, in Commander, especially, you try to optimize for the table, like the fun, like stuff like Rule Zero Conversations, because you're trying to have a good time with everybody, right? Like, you're, you are you make plays, I mean, not, I shouldn't say you, but I mean, like, one might make plays in Commander, myself included, that, you know, to not be too mean or whatever, because people won't have a great time, and maybe that's because, maybe that's because of some individualistic nature, like you want to play more commander. But I think generally it is because you care about their feelings and stuff like that. Right. Even like you were saying there, like we, I think are both of the opinion you want to have that behavior and you want to act like that and make people have a good time because it's a net benefit to you. Like it's, it still is kind of like you're doing an an altruistic thing for For selfish reasons, but that is still kind of, in a way, forcing you into the, the collectivist the, yeah, culture. Yeah, you're kind of forcing you to conform to the collectivist kind of thing that we're talking about. Yeah, and you have to fit within that sort of framework. Otherwise, it all it, it falls apart. Like, we can't, like, you can't go to the game shop, like, as a commander player, like, every week and just be a complete dickhole to everybody. You're not going to have a good time. Even if you hate their guts. Like, yeah. you, if you want to play Magic, you show up there. Where I feel like, maybe this is specifically to Commander Spencer, because I feel like I've played against people in like pre-releases or standard events and stuff and you sit down and play with them and they are just not having it for the social they're not like you you get the idea they showed up just to play magic and they showed up to win yeah they're like not looking for the human connection so much Mm -hmm. they're just using you as like a game piece almost well in 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 formats like that like the pre-release stuff like that like like games are, are are paired for you like you don't have to go and search out a game like you're entering a tournament and like being paired up against someone whereas in commander almost most of the time it's it's uh you're choosing to play against somebody like you know you're you're like oh let's four get together and play a game like people can't really just say no in like a pre-release like event like i mean they could but that means they lose right so you should do that more often oh if there's somebody you you don't play against with, somebody no sorry i'm not I, playing against i defy you. you i won't be a part of the system <laughs> <laughs> oh but um, I think what you were saying earlier, Eli, that might want to touch on more before we go in directly, is that um, we talked a lot about the collectivist uh, thing there, but also, like you were saying, kind of an external locus of control can be associated with blaming things in a commander game on outside factors as opposed to blaming them on yourself, right? Like, looking at what you can do versus looking at what, you know, is is uncontrollable. Right, especially in commander, it's a, it's a format designed... In such a way that you're supposed to lose most of your games. And it's also designed around variants. Right. And I think that's hard for a lot of people to parse because we generally, as human beings... Like, there's a lot of the things we do, like, psychologically, are because we need to keep a certain image of ourselves as, like, how... Like, we we have certain beliefs about what kind of person we are. A self-image. And we need to think certain things to to keep that image up otherwise you become like a lot of people who have depression or anxiety it's because they have a problem with that like maintaining a healthy self-image it's very hard to live um thinking a lot of negative things about yourself so generally we as humans try to you know live in a way where 
we don't have very negative self-images of ourselves. Yeah, we don't think that we're the worst person in the world, ideally. Well, really, I think for anyone to be happy, to quote, like, what what is it to be happy, is mostly you just need to, uh, you need to believe that you're kind of the hero of your own story. <laughs> if you don't, like, I mean, I think that what's the thing, a lot of people say some people have, like, real, like, main character oh, syndrome. yeah, sure. Where they just think, like, Everything's they don't about... think about anyone, like, outside of them and... Yeah. They lack a little bit of empathy or tact, but... No, but, uh, yeah, so why don't we, you know, we're going to start talking about ways in Commander that things that you can control and things that you can't control, um, because I think some of these things might be taken for granted because of, what we were, like we were saying, that external locus of control. It might be intuitive to a lot of people to think that when something happens in a game, it was because that's just how the other players play it or just what's because of what you know what happens but i think maybe we can introduce some level of internal locus of control to this to maybe be more maybe that can add something right maybe we can get something out of it well i think the it's it's really healthy to understand what you can and can't control because like my my mom is a very spiritual person and and she's always like she's a very like external locus of control sort of person but really, there are some things like one thing she would always tell me growing up because I'm very, I'm very much the opposite, like like my dad, and we get very neurotic and worried about a lot of stuff. And she would just say like, you can't do anything about it. You just need to like Chill give out. it up and like leave it up to your faith or like higher powers or whatever. Like mm-hmm. it's uh, and sometimes that is the case. Like it always it would annoy the crap out of me when she would say it, but but, it, but really you do sometimes just need to think you know what there's, i can't do anything there's nothing it. i can do i need to just surrender to the higher forces of the universe whatever be they what they may <laughs> be they the be they the wind or uh something else yeah mm-hmm. um but yeah so why don't we get into some of the things that you can and can't control in commander yeah so the the first thing <laughs> i think Everyone has had this experience, and everyone is this person at some point in their magic playing career. <laughs> and, you know, honestly, I feel like, Spencer, like, even you and I might have game. Like, I think we're very, like, we like to take responsibility for how things go. But we're not above yeah, no. complaining about some mana screw or of mana course. flood. Of course. You know, you you always can feel like you get, you're getting sacked by the, by the luck of the draw, right? Yeah. So, yeah, everybody, everybody definitely has gotten drawn too many lands or not enough lands uh and you know you have to be understanding that there are some things about that that you can control and some things that you can't um obviously the part that you can control is your opening hand and i know we've talked a lot about you know how maybe you should mulligan things or not whatever it's not really what we're talking about here Mm -hmm. um but if you end up drawing too many lands or don't draw too many lands to some extent you can't control that but also, you should take responsibility where it exists. And it's hard to kind of see where that is. But yeah, I guess the opening hand is, is, is where it is, right? I think we all know somebody who, anytime they lose, it was always either Mana Flood or Mana Screw. Like, it's they, they're, they're always having one of those problems. And it's kind of like a, a little bit of a, you wouldn't, it's, it's a little bit um, counterintuitive. Because if you want to think about it like this... Like, let's say you drew one too many lands. Like, if you end the game with an extra land in your hand, I mean, isn't that kind of technically Mana Flood? Like, couldn't you argue that? Like, so, it, it feels like like the, the, the odds of having exactly the amount of lands or exactly the amount of, like, you know, non-lands in your hand is so astronomically low that it probably 95% of games are going to be not exactly right. what you it's, want. It's like, what do you want to have happen? Do you want to draw a land, like, every turn up until, like, what, turn six, seven, or eight? And then just not draw any lands for the rest of... Like, that's, that's not That's realistic. not reasonable, yeah, or realistic. I mean, I don't know, Spence. I feel like I almost can't remember the last game where I felt really, like, mana screwed. Because I tend to put at least 36 lands in my decks. I, I honestly... Tend to favor thirty eight. Yeah, honestly, I, I a lot of your decks I think have thirty eight. Yeah, I'll um, go thirty eight. I think I go. I think I'll go forty if it's uh, if I'm playing like some real cringe lands like Temple of the False God. Yeah, I just always love playing more lands because uh, I I think we've had the uh, card versus mana. Like which which is more important as a resource, like mana or cards in hand? 
And my, I remember talking to my friend Charlie, who's a really smart guy, and, and he was very much in the in the mana camp because he would play a, uh, a Thrasios deck. Yeah. Like you've always got cards. The cards. Yeah. But I think uh, to ex- what I extrapolated from that that take and like because he's a very smart guy is like well I'd always rather be hitting my land drops because I always have this this card I can play in my command zone. Yeah. Sometimes I got two of them. <laughs> so if worst case scenario, you can always like just keep playing that, mm-hmm. and that's gonna scale better with like depending on what your commander is. Like some that's really not gonna help you that much. But some are. Yeah, I guess. But you. it's something. It's a game action you can take. So whereas like if you're missing lands. Really, I don't think most decks are you're, built you're, to function off of, like, three lands in play. You're kind of capped, right, in, like, yeah. what you can do. I get you. And I suppose you're capped in a similar way in, you know, with, with by not having cards, but at least it, it's a little bit different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had I was, had something I was going to say about this, but I can't quite remember. Um, well, also, besides just, like, mana, like, you can also extrapolate this to other types of cards, like... Um, you'll play a game and somebody will be like, okay, I didn't draw enough interaction this game to to really deal with the table. But, like, the amount that you're going to need in a game varies. And also, like, whether you need any in a game will vary, I suppose. So, it... it, it and, and when you combine all of the types of cards that you might want to see in a game, like, let's say you want to have uh, two... By turn three, you want to have two interaction and one ramp card and four lands and one value piece. Like, it's not... Like, the odds yeah. are not good for you to hit everything when I, you want it. I think um, on the last episode, I talked about a game where somebody had a really crazy start and I beast within their smothering tithe and then quadruple decimated them. Yeah. And they still won. And I could have gotten to the end of that game and been like, man, I just... I didn't draw enough removal. It's like... I did everything I could. Yeah. That was more removal than, than most people would have, I think. At that point, yeah. Yeah, I did I did okay. So I have to I have to believe that uh that was uh I had control over that. So I did what I could. One thing that I want to say about this is that I really do think that and I'm not trying to be holier than thou or smarter than other people here. Um just take my word for it, hopefully. I think people really do um Statistics are unintuitive, okay? So mm-hmm. people really do overestimate how unlucky they are being in any situation. They will have something happen that they don't like, and they will assume that it is actually very unlucky for that to happen. Where in in reality, it might be actually like, oh, yeah, actually there was like a pretty like reasonable 30% chance that this happens versus like their perception of like, it's like a 1%. Right. If you get another land, but there's really like a 40% chance of you drawing that land. Right. It's a very good odds that you're going to draw a land in your commander deck. Like that's just how you have to build that and you functionality. Can't, and you can't think like, let's say you're flooding and you draw a land for the turn, right? Mm-hmm. Like let's say that happens. Okay. Unlucky. Right. And then you're like, draw another land. And then you're like, okay, getting unlucky two times in a row isn't very unlucky, but you have to remember that these aren't, really conditional on each other like it's just you getting unlucky two times it's not like it's not like drawing it's not like once you have drawn that first land that the next land is like like a quarter as likely to be drawn it's still like this odds are this. so people yeah, if you understand what i'm saying it's not like after you draw the first land the next land is like a 10 percent. no after you draw the first land the next land is still like a 40 percent. well i know this isn't gonna make complete like foolproof sense but i was just thinking like what's the uh on average, the amount of lands that somebody wants to have in their opening hand. It's usually like two or three, right? I would think three like at or least, four, at least but three, sure, right? sure. Three. I'll say three. So let's say if you want three out of your seven opening cards to be lands. Yeah. And that's something you want to consistently happen because that's that's a good opening hand. To make that happen, you've got to play that, like like we were saying, like around like, like 36-ish yeah. lands if you want that to be consistent. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for that level of consi- if you want that to like happen like most of the time maybe even like 36 is a little bit low, low for like, that yeah so really you're getting off like really like easy on that yeah yeah so i don't know it's and if you if you extrapolate that to other kinds of cards what if you you got to play 36 card draw cards to have 3 in your opening hand consistently <laughs> uh but no i wouldn't recommend that <laughs> Well, why don't we? Why don't we? That's move, the Josh Lee Quiet. Yeah, of course. <laughs> remember, remember Josh Knights. Yeah, they're not not three card draw spells. Ship it, <laughs> trash, <laughs> Mulligan. Uh, okay, well, what's another thing in Commander that is or isn't controllable? <laughs> so, um, 
This is one uh, that I've got a, a buddy that makes a really, really big deal about, and we covered this in a, in a, a recent episode. Um, but that would be the turn order of the game. It's a it's a random die roll or however rock I'll... paper scissors tournament or sure. maybe a duel with pistols. It's not random, so that's a, an inappropriate way to oh, determine yeah. the yeah. yeah we we yeah. should do that though. Yeah, we should try that sometime because then I would win. We could do a. We could play chicken with uh, giving ourselves paper cuts, see who lasts longer. <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't mean to make everyone envision, envision that. But, no, um, turn order is certainly something that you cannot control. But maybe it's, you know, maybe that's not a bad thing, right? Maybe maybe that variance is good. Yeah, I think uh, we laid out some reasons why maybe it's not always the best thing to go for. Obviously, we're not talking about CDH. Yep. I, I don't think there's a... A great argument for going not first in CDH. <laughs> oh, you get your uh, gemstone caverns. Yeah. <laughs> but aside from that, yeah, it's uh, a lot of people. I think get pretty hung up on that, like their turn order. Like I think if somebody's going last in a commander game, I think a lot of people might have a sort of defeatist attitude about that. Yeah. And just think, wow, the the odds are stacked against me. But the thing is, with going with the the, the point, I want to I want to you know kind of hit home here is that you you cannot control at all where you go what position you go in the table so there's not really much use of um of 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 like stressing over it like like sure you can change the way you play based on your turn order but you shouldn't like you shouldn't really make the mentality of like oh man i'm so unlucky like i really beat yourself up over the fact that something random happened to you in that sense there wasn't anything you could do well i think people um we kind of have the uh a bias towards seeing the world like mostly through our Our own point of of view yeah and uh so i think people don't really pay attention to when everyone else around you is having worse luck than you are Mm mm-hmm because people, that's that's the thing about it. People get so hung up on luck, and that's a really big concept in like the the locus of control. Is like, am I am I lucky, or is this person luckier than I am? Yeah. Oh, and, and another thing with the locus control is that when when good things happen to you, it's you know you think and you're like, it's I caused these good things to happen to me. When good things happen to other people, it's because the world caused them to have good yeah, things happen to them. It's called the self-serving bias. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's a th- and uh, there's along the lines there's another thing um, the opposite like the inverse of that is called the uh, fundamental attribution error where when somebody else does something you kind of tend to think that they did it for internal reasons like if somebody cuts you off in traffic like oh it's because they're an asshole but if yeah if it was me it was like no I'm late for work it's an external thing. yeah yeah so you don't i was forced to my wife's sudden labor yeah you don't give other people the benefit of the doubt for why things why they do things or why things happen to them yeah but yeah people are just you know you need to see things from another perspective yeah try to try to slow down and think am i falling into (laughs) this this uh this this sort of pitfall and everybody does it like i want to make that like no one's talking about like we're not saying that we don't do this stuff Another thing uh, that is a little bit interesting about control, and this one goes kind of both ways, is that y- the actions of your opponents ver- slash, you know, versus your own actions, right? Like, the, it's it's a bit of a tricky subject because you'd like to think that you have some influence over, you know, actions that your opponents take. But sometimes, you know, opponents will do things for reasons that you can't possibly foresee mm-hmm. or... You know, maybe maybe they're just like a wild card kind of person, right? Like, and you just can't really like they don't they defy logic or something, right? Yeah. But, but maybe you could know that and influence it or whatever. It's it's going it's it's going down lines levels that are like maybe self destructive to try to do that to try to follow all that. Yeah, I'm sure everyone's played a game with strangers or you know randos at the game shop, and you sit down and there's just somebody who is the sort of person, they, they draw a removal spell or some kind of interaction, and they, they play it on the first thing they can. Yeah. Just to, you know, play the game. Like, that's that's fun for some people. And it's not really, like, much threat assessment or anything really put into it. It's just like, I have a card, I want to play the card. That's what we're here for. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything, like, it's not malicious, but it can definitely be very 
it can be annoying and yeah. you you definitely if you're in that situation you feel like you don't have a lot of control over that mm-hmm. and really i yeah i don't think you you can control that like maybe you can say something but like what's the good response to that to be like like hey maybe like you can't you shouldn't do that that's really stupid you're kind of the asshole i i think that's what i, I think the interesting thing about that is you probably could have some level of control over that but it probably wouldn't be worth it because you'd be doing something that would most likely be rude or kind of infringing on someone else's agency. Yeah. And, and like, I don't think that's worth it for me most of the time. Mm-hmm. So, and it can be very frustrating to think that you don't have control, but maybe that's a good thing. Maybe you should, maybe you should try to be, take that external locus of control model and be like, you know what? It's just the way it is, right? Like, it, yeah, that know, thing's gonna happen and sometimes. I, I think people doing that sort of thing, you kind of have to let that game be its own lesson instead of like laying it out for that person being like, hey, we lost the game because you do that. You kind of have to let them see that themselves. Yeah. And let them learn from their own mistakes. You have to tell them to listen to the EDH Take episode on politics and the locus of control. I think one of my favorite, like, um, iffy threat assessment stories is, uh, there was this guy we used to play with who was kind of like a new magic player at the shop. And I was playing a game with him and a couple of people playing like slightly like higher power decks. And I was playing like my Tajik hate bears deck. And I had a pretty good early start and I got somebody down really low in life. And I kind of made the agreement with them to like not kill them because we needed their help to like take somebody else out. Hey, there was an audio issue. So I'm just going to explain real quick. Um, Eli plays an Urbrass, got an empty board. And then the blue player counters it, and then next turn, the next player goes, plays a Rise of the Dark Realms, and reanimates everything. But I, I like, draw my, my top deck, and I play an Urabrask. Yeah. And the guy across from me, the newer player, he does the uh, the blue player thing. He goes, heh heh, no. Back to this guy's turn, um, somebody plays a Rise of the Dark Realms. Hmm. And now all the creatures have haste. Because <laughs> he killed the Urabrask. So, yeah. I'd like to think that he uh, he understood what happened there. <laughs> you know, actually, it I, I've, I've had this happen a couple times in my in my in my life, and it's that somebody does one of those things where it's like a mistake, or maybe they they use a removal spell wrong or something like that, or you know, quote unquote wrong. And they might this doesn't happen a lot, <laughs> but if somebody like after a game says something like. Oh man, I guess I really should have. I, I I think I had my I think I had my 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 target set wrong. I need to, or like oh I really made a mistake with that or something. That can actually feel really good to hear because it it feels like you were you probably had a little bit of rage bubbling up, and for them to say something like that, that can kind of just like all of it gone. Like it's like oh, oh my god, yeah. you are so right. Thank you. You're learning on the. Uh opposite side of that i don't think you should ever get to the end of the game and be like hey man you should have really done this because that could feel yeah. really bad because like you can't know what like even in, in my example who am i to say that like that he didn't think that Urbrask was the worst thing in the world like i guess do i know his deck better than my, he does right the thought process like i was thinking like well i'm the person right after you like you've got two more turns with two players who have way more mana than i do Maybe it would be the better thing to counter the last thing played before your turn if you're in that position. Yeah. But, like, we talked about that in the tor- turn order episode, how, like, when you're... The the person in the middle is kind of safe, because you don't want to be right after the person with the counter spell. Yeah. And you don't want to be the person right before them. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. So I couldn't say... Like, he couldn't have known that the other guy had no. the Rise of the Dark Realms, obviously. You wouldn't tell him that he was wrong, but if he volunteered that information yourself, you you know, that probably would have felt pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. You'd been like, oh yeah, wow, that's that's really humble of you as well, because most people don't want to admit when, if they, like, it's one thing, I'm not saying they're wrong, I'm saying if they made a mistake and they think afterwards, they reflect and say, I made a mistake, if they admit that, that's that feels good for me. I feel like, wow, that's that, that says a lot about you, and it makes me feel better. Right, and I'm, I'm happy for them, because that was probably a learning experience, whereas if somebody's just like, or like, if, if that was, that situation happened, and he was just like, oh, well, I guess there's, there's nothing I could have done there. Yeah. I did everything, everything I could have, and it's like, well... And you'd probably feel better, even more so than being happy for yourself, you'd probably feel better about what happened to you if they know it was a mistake, right? Yeah. Like, if someone goes and, like, if someone goes and, like, uh, you know, scratches your car or something on accident, right? If they just think it was your fault for, like, parking somewhere, or if they think it was their fault because they, like, really fucked something up, it, like, does make a difference in how you feel about it. Right. Like, if someone's really apologetic and, like, oh, shit, I made a big mistake, like, it makes a big difference. 
I uh, guess like, that kind of ties into the... I think the last main thing we wanted to talk about as far as things you can control in the game. Mm-hmm. And that's your freaking attitude. True. Because some people really have a bad attitude when you're playing cards with them. And just nothing's going right. Everything is wrong. Nothing. Nobody can do anything right. Nobody can. Nothing can make them happy. Mm-hmm. And everyone has bad days. I've I've definitely been that person before in a game. Yeah. I don't think I've ever really like super lashed out anyone. I think I I had like a period where I was maybe a little bit like kind of sensitive to stuff and like people would. You ever play in like a game and things aren't going well for you or like you get you get kind of owned somehow and somebody like or you make a mistake and somebody like points it out and like kind of laughs about it. And I think that the most, like, mad I ever got to somebody was, like, they, they did something like that. And I was just like, man, like, you make so many mistakes. Like, you you have, like, <laughs> you're, you're throwing stones in a glass house, buddy. <laughs> oh, damn. Like, I, I think. Just getting that, a little snappy. That's that's probably, like, the most snappy I ever got back at somebody. But that was a that was a bad attitude, and I felt bad about it. Mm-hmm. No, I, I get you. Like, uh, definitely. So So the question here, Eli, is how much, to what extent are we able to control our feelings, right? Because... You know, are we able to control them? Are we not? What do you think? So I think that your initial like gut reaction, the act, the feeling in the moment, you can't control how you respond to a situation, but you do have control after that fact of how you process those feelings and mm-hmm. how you choose to respond to them. I agree wholeheartedly. Like, like in that situation, if somebody like making me feel insecure, or, like laughing at me, like I'm going to feel pissed about it, but then I can have the response of either being like, well, they probably didn't mean anything that bad by it. Mm-hmm. Or I can respond, no, they were trying to piss me off and I'm going to get them back. I'm going to try and hurt them back. Yeah, and this isn't even just to say your your like your response to them. I'm talking about like you you and I are talking about like the level before the response. Like mm-hmm. res- like level before like the vocal response is like how you yourself like compartmentalize it. Um like how you rationalize your feelings, right? Because mm-hmm. you you I think like you're saying like you can't control your feeling but you can control how your feelings make you feel to some extent. You can rationalize them a little bit. Yeah. You can you can push your feelings in a positive direction, hopefully. That's what I'd like to think. And hopefully you understand yourself well enough to know why you're feeling that way. Because mm-hmm. I think, um, personally, like, my, my mom would always say this, uh, this acronym. Uh, she would say HALT, which stands for Hungry, Angry, Lonely, Tired. Oh, go to through explain those check marks. If you're really pissy, like you're probably one of those things. The funny thing I think with that, Eli, is is I think a lot of the times you might be one of those things, but you don't even know that you're one of those things. Like sometimes you're hungry, oh, yeah. but you don't even know you're hungry, or like you said, tired, but like you're 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 good. You're you're energized. It can. It's 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 kind of contra contradictory with itself, but I think that that is the case. Like you, you don't feel hungry, but you go and you eat like a bowl of cereal or something, and all of a sudden you feel like so much better. Well, I think um, us and a lot of people can relate with the just like forgetting to eat thing, <laughs> or like especially if we're going to play cards or something. Like you the, might be the yeah. time it starts is around five, so like if I skip dinner, ate like a late lunch or something, then I'll go there and like not really have time to like get a proper dinner, and yeah. I'll, I'll bring like granola bars or like get a snack or something. But it's yeah, it's not great, and oh, especially yeah. when you're dealing with a lot of. Uh, a lot of big personalities. It can be a little bit <laughs> mentally exhausting, I think. So that kind of tires me out sometimes. Like, I try to match people's energy when I can. But I've had to teach myself just to not do that. Well, especially, especially you were saying, Eli, like, for, you know, there's that whole, like, introverted versus extroverted kind of, like, dynamic. Where, like, some people, like myself, I, you know, you, you, you kind of can't handle hours and hours and hours of of constant social situations or something like that like yeah. like you need to cool down yourself kind of thing and mm-hmm. like you were saying if you're dealing with a lot of big personalities you might get tired or exhausted or something right it's definitely possible yeah because there's definitely a lot of people that i i consider myself pretty good friends with but they just have very very big personalities and they're very high energy and it is a little bit harder for me to interact with them for prolonged periods of time yeah and there's nothing against them. It's just the way that things are. Right, exactly. Some people, you just... Uh, they're perfectly nice people, and they're they're good people. I wouldn't say anything... Like, we talk a lot of shit on Magic players, but I wouldn't say that they're bad people. It's just some people are kind of like oil and water. You just don't mix no matter how hard you try. Yeah. <laughs> True. Um, 
yeah so is, is there anything else that you want to talk about this this uh this this kind of all these things we can or can't control before we move on well i think just the most important thing for understanding your your feeling of control like the, the locus like where it lies is a sense of you need to have have the ability to use introspection mm-hmm. and think about what it is you're doing or like how things are affecting you and just like like take a step back and look at things from the outside and i think that's why it really it helps to have like i was saying earlier friends that will will check you on stuff like that or like say things like kind of challenge your worldview sometimes yeah i do think i do really actually appreciate that um that that idea of of challenging you know challenging conversations or challenging someone's worldview i don't i think like like you, you'd like to think that I, th- I think the the intent of stuff like college is kind of like to get you outside of your bubble a little bit yeah but i think it maybe fails at that sometimes um but it, it's i think it's good to surround yourself with people that will respectfully get you to question um or be introspective right they get you to be introspective is really the point yeah i mean i don't i don't know if i consider myself a, a very intelligent person but i think the uh the the wisest thing that i that i try to do is uh engage with people that i feel like i can learn something from and that can teach me things and i try and i i like the uh there's the expression nobody knows everything but everybody knows something mm-hmm. so i think it's just best to try and know the most somethings the most somethings there you go yeah that's 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 what i like to say <laughs> Um, but yeah, so it's not necessarily bad to have an internal or an external locus of control. Um, but you know, if you believe that your actions are mostly influenced by like luck or something like that, shouldn't the same be true for other people around you? So like, like we were saying, Eli, the, the, the fundamental attribution error, right? Like you shouldn't try to, you shouldn't think if you think that everything that happens to you is luck, you should also think the same is true for other people. You shouldn't. Well, luck's a weird thing because some people really, I think, do see it like a uh, a personality trait. Like, oh, that person's just born lucky. Like, oh, you mean it's like it's like an RPG where they have a high luck stat? Yeah, like there's, but there's so many things to analyze about like how lucky somebody is. Like, sure, I've pulled two mana crypts out of the mystery boosters, but and I feel I consider myself a lucky person. But you could make an argument that like. It's it's hard for me to make this argument because I don't agree with it. But like I could say, well, I wasn't I wasn't lucky because I was born into I wasn't born into like a rich family or something or like, I was, like I was like lower class for it or something. I consider myself like I was I grew up like pretty like lower class like lower middle class like slightly poor. But I consider myself very blessed and very lucky in the situations that I was. I think I had great parents and everything, and we we never really wanted for much growing up. So. Mm-hmm. I consider myself lucky, but I mean, you could, if somebody's going to make that argument of like, you're lucky because of X, because you have good things happen to you within the game of magic. (laughs) That's bullshit. That's shitty. That's terrible luck. (laughs) Yeah. Like I would trade that in for any other kind of luck. Yeah. (laughs) Can I get, can I get lucky on getting a scholarship? Can I get lucky on my choice of career? And like, yeah, man, can I get lucky in like, in life or like in my relationships with people? Can I be lucky with women or like, (laughs) you know, like something that's useful <laughs> hey man i'll take the magic luck <laughs> some people take what they can get some people need to have something because like we were saying earlier it's about like self-image everyone needs to believe something about themselves or about the world as a whole to believe it's a it's a good or it's a certain kind of place it needs to be consistent mm-hmm. but yeah man i just uh luck i don't i don't believe it i don't really i don't believe, believe in it i think um there are Certain people who are definitely have privileges, but luck... Natural extension of, of you know, the, the consequences of actions, right? Like, like butterfly the flaps its wings and causes a tsunami or whatever. Yeah, it's like, it's like either you believe everything is chaos and random, or you believe that everything kind of is like a perpetuated cycle of how the world works or like how cultures interact and like how communities interact or like certain... There's just so much. There's so many factors. It's just there's too much to to, to kind of cog cognify. Yeah, Cog-nify. You... cognify. That's not that's not the word I'm looking for. But you know what I mean. It's it's a word now. It, well, I think it is a word. I just oh, <laughs> not boy. the not the right tense. 
yeah um, I, I see what you mean yeah <laughs> um but yeah, yeah that's, that's i think i think that's all we have to say about the locus of control very interesting idea and i'd like to know um like i said to preface this again very journeyman psychologist like not very uh experienced like I, i've taken maybe three classes and it it just interests me and i did try to look over my notes and everything i had and do some slight research before this but if we got something wrong i'd like to be made aware of that and i apologize for it mm-hmm. but i think it's just a very it's a simple concept that i think is very interesting and there's a lot to think uh, about there's a lot of room to think about or discuss i think so it's really it's really cool yeah and, I, and if i made any harmful assumptions about culture or anything i I tried not to but i apologize of course well after our our delve into the realms of of psychology why don't we talk about some magic cards at the end here because today about 30 minutes before we started our podcast we got some spoilers from oh yeah the warhammer cards from some warhammer cards and not just the Warhammer cards, but we also want to talk about the new D&D set. Well, yeah, Spencer, we got lied to because I was under the impression that it was D&D set spoiler time. Yeah. And then they, like, preempt that with the Warhammer stuff, which I'm much more excited for, but I'm a little more hesitant uh, if you guys haven't seen yet. There's only one deck with white in it. Yeah, that's what... I'm molding. God damn it! <laughs> that's that's a shame. But Eli, you know what that is? It's just bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, you you can't control what Watsy does. You can't control they're, what Watsy does, no matter how much higher, you may try. They're a higher power. Honestly, they're probably <laughs> responsible for like every instance of bad luck a Magic player has. Every bad thing that's happened to me in the context of Commander is Watsy's fault. Yeah, yeah. Um, at least to some level, because they made the game. Um. But well, let's take a moment, Eli, because I know we, something that I had not realized until you told me today was that the Commander uh, Baldur's Gate uh, set is pretty much like a replacement for Commander Legends 2, right? You said well, that? Well, it is a Commander Legends. It's Commander Legends 2 Battle for Baldur's Gate. So it's like the last Commander Legends, except this one is specifically going to be Dungeons and Dragons themed. Yeah. So, whereas, like, Last Commander Legends was, like a great, was a great place. Well, I think it was kind of set all throughout, like, the multiverse. The multiverse but it, yeah. it had a lot of old magic characters brought back to the modern context, like Jessica, Kamal, all the, Baron, Baron Sangir. Sangir, yeah. And the, uh, the amount of legends in that set really gave them the ability to do that. And, of course, you know, wizards, they can't help themselves. They, they've got, like... They got a billion like named characters that they could draw from, but they always got to make, make like, new ones. Gil- my my girl Gilanra, yeah, the, the dryad, Rograk, the new kobold. I don't know if he was mentioned before, but I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, Rograk, uh, Arden. Yeah, he might have been, and I don't know. I, like I'm saying, just, they might be like mentioned one time in a story or something, but yeah, I just feel like there's other characters they could use. But this time, you know, we don't even got to worry about that because yeah, this is going to be all. Dungeons and Dragons characters. And so, just to clarify, I like some Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I partake in some, in some D&D every once in a while. But I personally, I think I would have preferred a, a uh, Commander of Legends 2 based on old magic characters, like the first one. Yeah, me too. I'm very old-fashioned, though. But I guess we are getting the Brothers War set. That is going to be At the exciting. end of this year. Yeah, so that should hopefully scratch that itch yeah because that's literally like a complete like throwback that's to gonna past. be base as fuck and we're gonna get it oh my god i'm gonna get a new oh i'm gonna get a new we're gonna get a new urza mishra. and it's gonna be broken yeah i want a new mishra because yeah. i'm i love the mishra original card and i played a deck with it and i will definitely build new mishra it's, if it's interesting. It's a very cool commander the original mishra yeah um but i actually play a, a couple of the the new dragon they had that cycle of the mythic dragons in the last D and D set, and yeah, I thought they were cool. all really those cool. Those are cool. Icing Death and yeah, and, yeah, uh, Icing Death, Eben De- Eben Litcher, the black one that yeah. I really wanted to get, but it got a little too expensive. Or something, yeah. Um, old Nawbone, yeah, classic. That ever makes everyone so mad. The Desert Doom, the blue one. Yeah, and, then, and the, the red one is Inferno of the Star. Oh, Mounds. that one's so cool. That one was pretty cool too, but I never never picked one up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like dragons. Yeah. Not a big fan of the dungeons. No, not a not a dungeon guy. I really don't care for that mechanic. Mm-hmm. It's very clunky. Oh, I actually ha- I had an experience recently where I was playing at the card store with a with a with a fairly new player, um, and he he had presumably built his own deck. It was uh, the 
two mana uh, Demir commander that like when it hits you, you like scry one and mill yeah, one. Yeah, I think and... that guy was actually from the uh, D and D set. Yeah, and and he uh, he had played a little blue creature that I think it says when it hits an opponent, you venture into the dungeon. Um, I think it's like a three drop or something. And he was like, "What what does venture into the dungeon mean?" And I just thought to myself. Man, I'm really about to try to explain Venture in the Dungeon to a new player without even having the dungeons right now. So I pulled them up on my phone. And I was like, "This is kind of what it does. Don't worry about them. You're really gonna. You're not gonna really. You can do it once, probably in this game, and it's gonna scry one. So it, it's complicated. I can see the argument. There's already a lot of game pieces that most Magic players are expected to have for a normal game of Magic. Those being, you know, you need dice for your life total, some way to track your life total. You need stuff to represent counters so you could use little tokens little beads or like dice or something need a treasure token guys (laughs) yeah you need or like yeah like you said tokens so it's not too much to assume that you might want to have the uh the dungeon cards (laughs) but that's that's another game piece you need and then now another game piece you definitely need and this is something a lot of magic players do have but technically not the right version of it yeah is a d20 and man i really do not like the uh the roll of d20 mechanic. yeah not a fan personally i mean it, it's kind of flavorful and that's cool right but i i, I don't yeah well and, and like we were saying early like i'm a lucky person i should love that mechanic <laughs> I'm, I'm good at rolling dice yeah it's totally within my skill so there it's not like these mechanics are garbage terrible like there's definitely good they're definitely gonna make probably a cool dungeon card that i like or they're gonna make a cool d20 card that like i know eli you've probably i think you might have i don't know if you played it but there's like a there's like a four drop red creature like when it attacks you like roll a d20 and then you get to like copy an attacking creature and if you like roll a high number you get to like copy it twice or something or it sticks around or whatever that's a cool card yeah they they have some cool cards and even the uh i don't hate the dungeon mechanic that much i think um there's some cool stuff with it but the point is, the point that I'm trying to make here, Eli, is that, like, I would rather if these cool cards were built around another, you know, old forgotten mechanic. I didn't say forgotten. Like, for example, in this new, these new decks that just came out in New Capenna, um, the Commander decks, they started putting, I think they put, like, Addendum and, or, like, something like that. Like, or Addendum. Uh, yeah, they did. Yeah, they, they did, like, Addendum card. They had, like, some other, like, old mechanics. They brought some weird, like, they had one escape card. I love that. I love yeah. that. So I would prefer those kinds of things over some of the mechanics expressed in the D&D sets. Maybe they'll have some cool new mechanics, though. So I, I, I don't want to speak too soon, because maybe yeah. they'll make it base as fuck. Yeah, we don't want to be spoil sports, but I'm sure a lot of people are excited, because a lot of people really did like Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. But yeah, I just... Uh, I would have preferred a Magic-themed Commander Legends. I mean, I'll we'll hold out judgment, but I'm not... Not great on it, so we got a new Planeswalker Commander in yeah. the, the Minsk guy. Yeah. He makes a hamster. Wow. Lol. Lol. <laughs> Aren't they cute? I would have been happy if it made a Capybara. Y- then I would have been happy. What, here's what Magic players be doing, Spencer. They be like, hamster, and then just stare at you until you laugh or like... Squirrel. Or you respond in like a positive way. Yeah. You just gotta be like, yeah. People be like... People really do be like... They play like an Ishimaru deck, and they'd be like, "You're gonna kill my dog? Oh, don't kill my dog!" They really do be like that. It just makes me want to do it more. So honestly. I had I had a thought, Eli, and maybe this is just my my inner my inner um I don't know, just being an asshole. Um, but I was like, "Oh my god!" You know, remember that that new uh that new commander that says whenever you make a token, instead you could make a cat with uh, haste or a dog with vigilance. Oh yeah, I was thinking. Would it be, how epic would it be if my win condition, I would build that deck with the win condition being like some sort of uh, aristocrats thing where the goal was to burn all of the cats and dogs to kill everybody. And I was like, that's probably not a very, very, it's pro- I'm probably not going to do that, but I had a thought and I was like, oh yeah, wouldn't that be epic? Animal cruelty dot deck. Yeah. As the win condition. You know, the famous Beatles song, it's okay to leave a dog in a hot car. Oh yeah, John Lennon was a very not a lot of people know that about him. Yeah, but... Google that if you're curious. That's yeah. a it's an interesting factoid. Yeah. Spencer, um, who's your favorite Beatle? Um, hold on a sec, wait. Uh the the one that wasn't a bad person. Oh shit, he he knows the gag. I know the gag. <laughs> uh John Lennon is my favorite Beatle. No, um 
Uh, what was I going to say? Okay, so besides the Commander Legends stuff, right? Or the Baldur's Gate, whatever, you know. Warhammer, I, Eli, I think Warhammer's pretty cool. I think you like Warhammer. I like Warhammer. Yeah, I love Warhammer. I mean, I'm very, you know, skeptical about the outside IPs and magic, especially the non-fantasy stuff, but... Warhammer is a rare franchise that they could have picked that they could do something like sci-fi and magic and make you happy and, and I would be kind of okay with it. I mean, we'll have to wait and see how they handle it because I mean, like I'm not a huge Warhammer person, but man, the the lore of Warhammer is just it's so cool. I'd recommend if anyone doesn't know a lot about Warhammer, there's a lot of channels that do lore videos on it. Yeah. And it's just I think it's really neat. Uh, just to quickly do a thing, I think that the, uh, Abaddon, the spoiler they spoiled, um, have not put a lot of thought into it, but it seems kind of gross. Not a big fan of that card. It seems pretty strong. Yeah. Um, and not, not like a kind of gameplay that I like, do, I think. Do you ever see, like, Cascade brought into a set and think, like, this is gonna do fun things? Yeah, you have to be very specific to it. Like, you have to give the card cascade. Right, that that can be fine. It's like when something says, like, give busted mechanic to other cards. To all other cards? So you can give busted mechanics to cards that are already busted. I don't think that ever works out for it. Like, like Idris is a very strong commander if anyone's ever played against like it's yeah. almost like a kill on like you can't let and it i don't connect. like and i don't think it's good when they make commanders that are like kill ons. like if you didn't know this card is a five mana five five it says with trample it says during your turn spells you cast from your hand with mana value x or less have cascade where x is the total amount of life your opponents have lost this turn it's not hard to deal five damage to your opponents to give all your cards cmc five or less cascade yeah and that's not man it's not I don't like it personally. Um, that being said, uh, this other card that was spoiled, I don't. We're not going to mention all the cards. There's only there's four, but um, I really do like Blood for the Blood God, both in theming because it's a really iconic thing from the uh, from the lore. It's like kind mm-hmm. of a meme, but also it's a really cool card. It's a eight black black red for an instant. It says it costs one less for each creature that died this turn. So at lowest, it could be black black red three mana. And it says, discard your hand, then draw eight cards, and then it deals eight damage to each opponent, and then it exiles itself. I think this is just a really... It doesn't seem super broken to me, either. I think it just seems really cool. Mm-hmm. I, it, it scratches an itch for me in, like, three different ways. So I like it. Do you have anything to say about these cards, Eli? No, just, uh... I get a little bit worried every time there's new Commander Precons coming out. You know what? I think I'm just in a. I, I, I have accepted that every time they make a you know a new set with commander cards, there will be something that's too good, and it will happen. And we just have to, you know, Eli. That we don't have any control over that. You know, we got no. We can't affect. We can't control the fact that Wizards is going to make broken cards. We can control ourselves in not playing those cards. Giga Chad, and that's all you can hope for, and hope that other people have a. Uh... A similar... You know, you that's really... I think that's the best thing you can control in Commander and Magic is creating your ideal group of people to play with. Mm-hmm. Because those can really help... <laughs> Matt, Commander is really like a like a deck build... Like, like a deck building game. You know, like games where you build a deck during a game kind of thing? Oh, yeah, except you're trying to build, build like your... your build perfect... P- perfect people to group. play with. <laughs> yeah, because you need to have a good group dynamic and have everyone on the same page about things. And then I think that really... I think a lot of the uh, the external locus of control stuff is is mostly the result of bad feelings and salt and mm-hmm. trying to deal with that. Yeah, I agree. And if you can cut down on that just naturally by like playing with people you have fun with, you might not even have to think about all these things. Yeah, I think you just uh, you don't have to you don't get caught up in your head so much. You don't overthink a bunch of things because you're not having a consistently like bad time all the time. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, I guess that's the main advice is uh just try and have a good time. Yeah. Try to try to look out for yourself and other people. Yeah. So yeah, um I guess I think that's all we have to say today, guys. Um sorry for the late uploads. We're gonna try and catch back up and I think I think we've had some pretty good episodes lately. This one and the last one. I'm pretty happy with these. Um sorry I was kind of caught earlier in the episode trying to think of a word. It'll happen sometimes. Yeah. I can't control it. Can't control it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening, guys. Yeah, I... uh, yeah, follow us on Twitter. Yeah. And uh, give us a subscribe. 
us a comment. If you uh, enjoy we're wrong about something, like please let me know. I like to be educated. I don't like to spread misinformation if we can help it. And if we were right, uh, tell me so to feed my e- my, my self image of myself. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I've been Elijah Samuelson. And I've been Spencer Cook. See you next time.